Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Next Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we are offering five conversations from episode 18, our discussion with endocrinologist Cilial Kausi about intersections between hepatology and endocrinology. Plus, from the vault, conversation 49.3 from season two, one of our first conversations about interaction with our endocrinologist friend, Ken Kusi. I start this conversation by noting that roughly half of all cirrhosis is diagnosed for the first time during a decompensating event at the emergency department and ask whether the endocrinology clinic is the right place to identify patients much sooner. Jorn Schottenberg suggests the answer is yes, considering that we know the risk and prevalence of advanced fibrosis in this population to be high. The group goes on to discuss requesting and receiving lab results in their respective district systems and how hitching a test like Fib4 to routine care protocols could be an effective route for implementation. Cyril Kausi suggests that the most important thing is convincing the endocrinologists of NAFLD-NASH prevalence, our ability to stop progression at their clinics if we can identify the right patients soon enough. She goes on to highlight how important it is that the recent wave of guidelines from a range of different fields and organizations all align on the salience of NAFLD and NASH, ways to identify patients who require screening, and the adoption of FIP4 as a simple and cheap frontline test. At this point, I share what we've heard from other panelists who practice in countries not the U.S., that other countries we have discussed do not include ALT values on standard blood panels. Cyril indicates that while this is not standard in France, the process for requesting ALT values there is relatively simple and straightforward. Jorn Schottenberg describes his experiences with the German system, and as the conversation winds down, the group discusses the importance of stratifying patients to identify those at greater risk for progression to advanced fibrosis, cirrhosis, and HCC. In an episode some two years ago, Jeff Lazarus made the statement, and I quote, hepatology cannot go it alone, end of quote. Since then, everything we've learned about the interplay of fatty liver and other metabolic diseases suggests that no specialty can go it alone, given the interplay of organ diseases and the ever-deepening challenges of poor diet and others related to social determinants of health. This episode is just one direction we should all expect to see more of going forward about working together. So just sit back, listen, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the dialogue in our LinkedIn discussion group. Today, 50% of all cirrhosis is diagnosed for the first time at, on, on the occasion of a decompensating event in an emergency department. And the story that, for example, Tony Belliotti tells or Wayne Eskridge tells or Terry Milton tells, fundamentally the same story, except that Wayne got picked up a little bit earlier, which is that they were told that they had a little bit of fat on their liver, but not to worry about it. And then one day, 15, 20 years later, somebody says, hey, you have cirrhosis. And I think in Tony's case, HCC as well. So the ability to pick those cases up earlier would be fantastic. You believe endocrinology is the right place to do that, Yorn, or just you said the lowest hanging fruit. Is that because it's the right place or just the easiest group to approach on it? Yorn Schottenberg. Yeah, I think that's for two reasons. A, it's a high-risk group, right? So we know um, about the prevalence of advanced fibrosis in, in this patient population this high. I mean, there are other groups that have a high risk, but this group is specifically already included in medical checkups and programs. And in Germany, we have the disease management program. And I think it's very comparable to France where they get, I believe, once in a year a big lab and they get A1C checks every three months and they go see their physician as Cyril said they get a urine dipstick every once in a while and it would be so easy to hitch on because they are under care they are and we just have to let them know which tests and I think we already developed the answer in the guidelines we're saying which test it just has to be implemented now and I think this is where Cyril and I have been talking their barriers and it takes time and everyday uh, clinical practice to really reach everyone but I do think that in that population 
population, we do have the highest uh, turnout or for the investment. Uh, the number needed to screen to actually find cases is the lowest. Cyril Kausi. Yeah, and if I, I may add something, I think the most important thing is getting the endocrinologist to be convinced. And I think there's plenty of evidence and we can all, all of us can tell, talk about a patient that was diagnosed with cirrhosis or HTC, whereas when we look back at the lab five years before, prior to this event, we they, they had elevated uh, liver enzymes. So as you said, it's really the right population to target. But what's changing nowadays is that the guidelines, the most recent guidelines from uh, hepatology field, ESL, ASLD, AGE, but also from the diabetology field, the ADA and uh, the ASAE also know, are all agree. And also the, the test that needs to be used as a first-line test is very easy to implement. It's cheap and we know the threshold. So for us, it's easier to put the patient in the pathway and in a screening because now everyone agrees on the best way to do it. And I think this is really important. When you looked at the guidelines prior to the last one in 2016, recommended by ESL, the algorithm that was proposed was not very clear. The threshold were not very clear. So it brings confusion in the mind of an endocrinologist if he doesn't really understand and if he's not an expert in these non-invasive tests, which is understandable. He has many other things to deal with. So now that everything is clear, that the thresholds that are provided by the guidelines are the same in every guidelines, this is a very strong message. And I think it's now the time to implement it in clinical practice. And it shouldn't be that difficult because as you said, John, every patient with type 2 diabetes needs to have a, a lab checkup and you, you can easily calculate the FIP4 score with the, the labs that is performed. So I think this is key. One of the things we've learned doing this podcast, or I've learned, is that we've not had, well, you're not the first French guest we've ever had on. We've had a lot for Ratsu, for example. But since we've started talking a lot about care pathways, you are. It turns out that the U.S., as best I can tell, is the only country that automatically puts an ALT on a, on a blood panel. Do you have to request that specially, especially in France? Or, or when you draw blood, will, will that be one of the things that's given back to you? Well, I do need to request it. But I think lots of uh, patients already uh, have it. You know, we request it. Lots of physicians request the liver panel. And we do have uh, AST, ALT. Uh, there's no, we just ask for a liver panel and everything comes up. So actually, it's very interesting. We had this discussion with a endocrinologist in the private practice because we we are trying to build a program where we would like to them to enroll patients in a pathway using a liver stiffness and PIP4. And uh, actually, they told me that no, they also get an automatic calculated FIP4 in the lab results, even though they didn't ask for it. So that's interesting as well. And that's in private practice? That's fantastic. Private practice, yes, exactly. Yeah, I think the situation is a little different. In Germany, you have a lot of liberty, but they won't do anything automated. So a lot of the endocrinologists I talk to do, for example, like a GGT, but no ALT. And then I think uh, the discussions we're having here show so useful because you're really master in, 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 in speaking to these colleagues of yours. They will more likely listen to you if you transfer that message. That's, I think, more authentic compared to the hepatologist uh, requesting that. And that's why I enjoy, uh, I think, our interaction because we can both learn from each other and inform our field and that way move it forward jointly, which will be much easier. Yeah, it's true that it's always easier to talk to his peers. And actually, I was surprised when we just put a little survey to ask the endocrinologist from Lyon area, would you be willing to uh, participate in this program? They were most of them some yeah, we would be happy to, you know, uh, collaborate and look for the liver. So I think awareness of uh, what is NAFLD and what should be done 
one starts to come because there's more and more communication as well in endocrinology meeting. For example, we had the French diabetology meeting a month ago and there were sessions regarding nephrology. There's not so many, but they were completely full. The room were full. So I think there's more and more interest and it's a very good news that you can see that our colleagues start to get interested in the disease and how we can screen. We also had a session regarding treatment and uh, anti-diabetic treatment in patients with cirrhosis. What are the recommendations? We have a working group between the two society guidelines in France and pathology and diabetology. So we did guidelines regarding the treatment for diabetes in patients with cirrhosis and it's really helpful to get this interaction and this symposium when we bring the knowledge of the hepatologist and the knowledge from the diabetologist and how we can manage this patient that actually we both see on different sides of the disease. Louise Campbell. I thought it was fascinating listening to Surreal there and I think several things sort of struck me. The encouragement that you're describing of endocrinology coming on board in France. In the past, I've always had the sense that sometimes the not only competition, but they've looked after these patients for years to then find there's a disease that they hadn't picked up. That's human nature to be slightly resistant to the embarrassment or I didn't I wasn't able to do that, particularly when a patient, we get more and more patients who are quite angry at why didn't I know? Why didn't we pick it up? But I think what I'm getting the sense of, we now have more uh, tools in our armory to help endocrinology and hepatology. And we had joint NAFLD diabetes clinics, but by no means were we seeing 60 or 70% of our diabetes and endocrinology patients. We were seeing select ones from select consultants. Is that the case in France? Is there, are there people who are more on board? Because you described that movement. Would they be in particular areas of France, the research units rather than the more rural district general hospitals? Or is there a sort of divide? Well, I think you're actually probably right. I mean, it takes time and, you know, you may have endocrinologists that have their own practice for a long time and they feel like they did they did the best they could for the patient and they don't see the benefit of liver checkup. And then finally, and you're right also, uh, even when I was a young resident, I remember looking at dominal ultrasound, seeing hepatic steatosis, and they were like, okay, it's normal. It's because of insulin resistance. Don't worry about that. It's okay. So this is something we've been taught by the past. And so the knowledge of the disease, the awareness that they can actually progress, not all of them. And this is what is tricky as well for uh, us to understand. You know, you are, the hepatologist knows very well the natural history of NAFLD. We know that it's only a small proportion of the patient among this large population that will progress to the advanced stage of liver disease. So there's more and more understanding of that. Uh, not everyone has NASH, even in type 2 diabetes, not every patient with type 2 diabetes has NAFLD to begin with. So trying to understand that you need really to risk stratify your patient, try to classify them between you have NAFLD, you have probably NASH, you may have advanced fibrosis is something that we need to uh, work on and it's not very easy to get it. So probably you're right. It started with tertiary department in endocrinologists from university hospitals. But you, I really have the feeling that uh, now it's spreading in other settings and uh, probably in the more, like we said, private practice or small and general hospital. But one thing is also very important is that even uh, if every diabetologist and endocrinologist in France are convinced, we do not see every patient with 
this type two diabetes. We are not enough. We have numbers saying that we are seeing probably approximately 20 to 30 percent of uh, the type two diabetes patient in France, and the rest is followed by the GPs. So there are still, you know, some specific area and some patient that we probably won't be able to target. So we really need to work all together to uh, get the patient involved in a screening pathway for the liver. Yeah, it's probably a similar picture in Germany. There are specialized diabetologists and also qualified uh, through a disease, through a, a program of the German Diabetes uh, Association, but they tend the minority of patients. The vast majority is with primary care, but there it's more diluted. And that's why I said, I think if we really want to get most for the number of screens we do in terms of advanced disease, it's really the endocrinologist. The message that Cyril and I'm sending here together from this podcast and various places that we had the pleasure and honor to be speaking together is much stronger compared to one um, faculty speaking on his own uh, specialty mission, maybe. That interactions really, well, help both of us develop and understand the other better um, in terms of what's the needs, where, where can I, how can I approach the different disciplines, but also sends a stronger message. And I think that's important. And for all the practitioners listening there, I, I think it is important we use these simple tests and decide on which patients should be referred for further management. Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to add, yeah, it's exactly what John said. It's probably harder to say, I'm an hepatologist and I'm telling you what you should do as an endocrinologist. Uh, but the thing is, I can testify, we are doing it. We, are, we have implemented a systematic screening in the department where every patient uh, have at least a FIP4. We do have a liver stiffness assessment if needed. We are not performing it to everyone. We are using the, the algorithm proposed by the most recent guidelines. And I mean, it's, it's working. So it's not the same thing saying you should do that and saying we are doing it. And uh, we do feel that we bring benefit for the patients. So I think this is a very strong message. And now back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please put them in the review section of the page from which you downloaded this conversation or send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. Next week, while we are spoiled for choice, we have not decided exactly what topic to cover next week, but I promise you it'll be a good one. So until then, stay safe, surf on. We'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now. <laughs>